Welcome to It's Broadway, bitch. I'm Alana. I'm the Broadway. I'm Christina. I'm the bitch. This is a podcast where I, Alana, the theater expert, explain the plot of a musical to Christina, the willfully ignorant. Christina will weigh in on her initial thoughts. Then we'll go watch the musical with varying degrees of sobriety. We then reconvene and Christina gives us the hot take. Welcome to this week's show. We don't have Alana, just because. <laughs> But instead, we have Jamal, because we were talking about In the Heights. Hello. And <laughs> I texted you when when I gave a lot of the week off. Um, we had already been planning on, like, talking about In the Heights. We thought it would be really important. And as soon as I was like, well, we need someone on, I was already thinking about you as a guest. And I was like, well, this is perfect. So <laughs> welcome, Jamal. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back and to talk about In the Heights. Ah, this movie. Yes. Um, I think before I let you go, I'm going to go simply because I knew nothing about this going into it. And I need to preface that right there. I had no expectations. I have seen Hamilton. I expected there to be hip hop and, and really a diverse cast. And that's about it. Um, those are the two things that Lin-Manuel Miranda has like made important to his career thus far. And that being said, I loved it. I had a great time. <laughs> yes. Okay. So jumping into In the Heights, tell me how you feel. <laughs> oh boy. I feel so great about this movie. It is just an amazing joy bomb that is the antidote we all needed at this point in history um, and I just appreciated it this movie so so much as like a musical theater lover and as a movie musical critic I I love movie musicals but I'm really harsh on them because I love the stage version so much and I I've seen uh the Broadway tour of In the Heights like 10 years ago or something, or maybe even a little bit more than that. It came out my senior year of college. It was the a big, huge musical that me and all my friends were into. And like, I, I had some friends that were super obsessed and still are with this musical. So it holds a very special place in my heart. Um, and I loved this movie adaptation. I will go on record and saying, I think it might be one of the best movie musical adaptations in general and in the last like definitely in like the last 15 or 20 years great i love that i did take lots of notes and a rewatch which <laughs> has i think i marked down every song like while going through it but yeah so i'll preface this with not only do i like it i love this musical it's actually i think my it tied for first place with my favorite musical that I've seen thus far. Um, and so just opening, we open with In the Heights, which is Usnavi and company. And it's a strong opener. We open with a banger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just, I love how they translate musical theater to film in this movie and it starts 
right away with the opening song in the heights and it's just there's a lot of like subtle but also obvious at the same time like little ways that the world acts musically and it's wonderful like when the manhole cover thing (laughs) yes like uh as like a record player or a record or just the way that he moves around the bodega and it's all kind of timed to the music but it feels so natural and that's exact I love that combination and that way of hitting being a musical but also being a film and being in a realistic world at the same time it's just a beautiful marriage it's a really good opening and it's also something that could easily be so cheesy so fast Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. like so cheesy so so fast and they really hit just a beautiful balance of like we got good choreography we have like good interactions between like there's a lot of prop stuff there's a lot of like interactions we have these scenes starting to be set in a really beautiful way and we are immediately like sucked into the story like oh what's what's happening let's see what this neighborhood's all about um which I I was just like okay I'm in I'm ready and then we meet so we meet Usnavi, Benny, Sunny and Nina and Vanessa and Vanessa and then we meet Abuela the salon ladies too yeah yeah yeah. we pretty much meet like Everyone, Everyone. right away. All the main characters you meet in this opening number. And I love how concise it is, how much work it does, how much information we get. And it's a lot of information, but it's so clear and so concise. And the economy of what the whole movie does, but especially this opening number is What a great word. Truly. So I do know the, you know, exactly what it's coming from, what it's being adapted from. And a note to just think about through the stage show, there's a ton of choreography, like literally nonstop choreography. I'm not joking. But there are people on stage dancing in every moment of this musical. And it's just as intricate and involved as the more intense dancing is in this movie. So gives this really great sense for the stage show that the city is always alive and always bustling and always moving. And there's always people somewhere because it's New York, you know, and it's a full vibrant thing. And so they translated that, I think, with the choreography and the stage show to kind of just always, there's always like somebody on the third floor of a, of a building, like dancing in a window, you know, or off in the background, or sometimes it's in the foreground and it's the point of what's going on. But it's often just like this hum that's buzzing around all the time. And it's really cool. And obviously they didn't do that in the movie. And I'm happy for it because that's something that works on stage and you're trying to create this atmosphere of a bustling city in a regular theater. And so that's a good way of doing that. But in the movie, the way you, you're, they filmed it in Washington Heights. Like it was filmed in the, in the actual neighborhood. So you have the real world buzzing about it so you don't need that in the same way so when the choreography does really explode in the movie it's effective in a different way and I really appreciated that they made that translation in terms of 
the choreography and it was such a huge aspect of the stage show and it's still a big aspect of the movie but i thought it was appropriately calibrated and adapted for film so yeah that was i think one of my biggest questions i think in the heights we get we do get a good mixture of like individual prop stuff and then also there's like there are some big dancing things that happen with like huge crowds but it's not it's not the entire time and so I think also throughout this movie I was like I'm having a very hard time imagining the stage version of this because I can only picture it the way that it's being presented to me and it's really good to know this information I'm oh I now I really want to see it on stage it's a really great stage production so if you ever get a chance to see it on stage like go for it it's really effective. It's, um, but that's also why I like this film adaptation so much is that they really captured what stuck with you in the, in the stage production and they knew how to take all those pieces but then remix them a little bit. For yeah. Film. They kept the soul of it and they, <laughs> yes. they adapted it appropriately, which is Absolutely. something that you and I have seen at this point I've seen maybe like 30 times like film adaptation that just falls so flat either Mm -hmm. exactly remaking what's on the stage or they're not doing it justice so yeah we start out strong and we're like okay not the same yeah but excellent same energy excellent (laughs) and you just feel like you're in such good hands because Lin-Manuel Miranda who wrote the musical and starred in it on Broadway he was a part such a huge part he's a producer in the movie and then he's he has a cameo in it and he's just such his heart is present throughout the whole thing the mm-hmm. stage show is loosely based on his own life. Like the main character is kind of him and his real wife inspired Vanessa, that character. So there's a lot of personal details to this musical that you wouldn't necessarily know as a fact just by watching it, but you could tell that there's just so much passion given to it. And it's because he you know, he put a lot of himself into it and it's very tied to his real experience. And it's just, you feel the hug of warmth and love with it and it feels so good. I love these facts that you're giving me. I think we need to jump to the next song because yes. we literally have only talked yeah, about I know. one. <laughs> no, I love it. It's so good. Um, so the next song, according to my list, is Breathe, with, which is Nina and company. So Nina is the mm-hmm. girl who, she was away at Stanford. And uh, yes. the thing that our audience needs to know if they have not watched this is that she has gone away and is now back. And Breathe is about her being overwhelmed and essentially deciding she doesn't want to go back to school and having to deal with the pressure of the entire neighborhood's expectations on her. I, so Nina was one of the least interesting characters to me. Mm. And a lot of her songs didn't interest me interesting yeah yeah um which is ironic because benny is one of my favorite characters <laughs> it helps that i think he's the hottest character in the movie. <laughs> he he's real good looking he's so cute <laughs> he's so cute i have a big huge crush 
on him, but also on Anthony Ramos. So I'll raise your, I'll Anthony, see your Benny and I'll raise you an Anthony Ramos. Anthony Ramos is also <laughs> cute, but like I am, yeah, I, I think Anthony Ramos to me, as far as sexual, pure sexual attraction, pure animal magnetism, it, it goes uh, Benny and then Anthony Ramos. Yeah. Um, I hear you. I hear it and I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it's a it's a good song. It kind of gets it does the job of introducing us into her role in the neighborhood mm-hmm. where she does a lot of like, I think we meet the kid version of her, right? Yeah. And they do this thing through the movie, but especially in this song where you kind of see the young version of her, the kid version of her kind of like, running through the neighborhood as she's singing about her memories and just like what it was like growing up with this huge community around her. And it's so, there are some beautiful moments where she is seeing this younger version of herself running around and interacting in such a beautiful way with the community, but she's removed from that. And she's like, I'm older now and things have changed and I don't, feel the same way I used to and I'm in this like crossroads and I thought visually they represented that really well yeah it was very striking honestly I didn't even put that into words until you like just told me and I was like oh that is so accurate that's such an apt description of what is happening and it's also a lot of her removal is is self-induced it's she is isolating herself a lot Um, Mm -hmm. and it's a theme that we'll see with her as we move forward yeah um and we see her like we hear about her through usnavi who is the main character in this and he runs the bodega that is kind of like the main rallying center of the neighborhood we meet nina through him as well he mentions that she's like a sister and her dad runs the dispatch like car service in the neighborhood yeah and so breathe kind of is her again introduction as she walks around and then she is told that Benny is on the dispatch this morning. Yes. And we get one of the sweetest interactions <laughs> of anything. And we get introduced to Benny and his so, ad- I'm in love with him. <laughs> I love him so much. Yeah. I love the dispatch. <laughs> Musically, it's so wonderful. It's so bright and beautiful. And it's just, yeah, it just makes my heart swell just hearing it. Yeah, I will say as well, when looking at the overall um, composition of the music as assigned to different characters, you do see a, a vast difference in like, you have a lot more ballads with the female characters. This is not exclusive, obviously, but you do have like this, the female characters doing very little, honestly, like rapping or hip hop style. Oh no, you froze. Just historically, for me, ballads just don't register as high um, on the like music scale. And I think the thing that Lin-Manuel Miranda does, and we'll see this throughout this uh, as well as like he does this in Hamilton, is he he does a really good job of almost creating a modern opera where he's telling the plot while he's singing, but he's also making it like objectively like good music like shit I would listen to. Everything that Benny sings is shit that like is top of the charts for me as far as this movie goes. Like Mm -hmm. they're all number ones. Every Mm -hmm. time he has any kind of like role in a song, I'm just like this, this dude hits it so hard and I love it and I'm feeling it. And this is like something I would actually listen to. Yes. The, I love the operatic nature that Lin-Manuel takes to 
this show and also Hamilton, where there are these refrains and these themes that come back musically and they're associated with certain characters and you really get the type of personality somebody has or the type of character they are through the music and the style of music that's used. And yeah, in this and in the Heights, the women in general aren't really doing a ton of rapping. Mm -hmm. That's really relegated to like Usnavi and Benny and the Sunny. Sunny. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably reflective of like his just experience growing up of just like me and my friends and we're doing this thing and you know, and that's how it is. I think the within the heights there's just a lot of a lot of uh, musicality that goes towards the, how he associates the people in his life growing up with with the type of music they were listening to and 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 how they were interacting as people at the time so yeah the way that he chooses to portray vulnerability between especially the the sexes um is is so interesting to me because through the male characters it's a lot of just like pure goofiness it's a lot of like silly we're gonna say words that are fun like Benny I think is the optimal like he is so open and so sweet and he he gives us vulnerability without really being like having any shame attached to it whereas a lot Mm -hmm. of the female characters do have that and I don't know if that was intentional but it's clearly an experience that even unintentionally made its way into the music. Um, And I think that's, again, related through the type of music that they're able to express themselves through. Mm -hmm. So we just get a really sweet thing. We see Benny is in love with his job. We see that Benny and Nina have a a little bit of a thing. And Benny is like, okay, time for the morning, like talk and he gives, he's like, Nina is back. Everyone say hi to her. Mm-hmm. And so she's beloved. We establish her as a character, as a beloved character in the neighborhood. Yes, yes. And then the next song, It Won't Be Long Now, which I'm honestly having a hard time remembering. Yes, yes. I think yes. No Me Diga is before that, which is the song in the salon. You know, No Me Diga is such a joy, another joy bomb, like, it's so cute and so fun. I just, I love how fantasy is incorporated into this movie because it's a musical, but it's also, it's framed in this sense that he's retelling this story to some kids, you know? Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is Usnavi telling the story over again. So it's not literally happening. It's all kind of in this you know memory sense and so the way that fantasy is added in is just I love the touch of it it's not overbearing but it's there and in the salon it's manifested in these like wig heads that are following the action of the gossip and like just as surprised as everybody else and I love that little detail it's something that could have gone so wrong or just been ignored or like not happened you know but they added it in and I loved it I love those little touches of fantasy throughout this uh throughout this musical this is where we kind of meet and are introduced to Vanessa as a character yeah uh and we establish that she and Usnavi are like romantically entangled but not really but kind of 
Um, They've been flirty. This is an open secret in the neighborhood. I think one of the key lines that we get is like, Daniela is like, did you hear that who's not be slept with like someone? And <laughs> Vanessa goes, he would never, she's a slut or something like that, which is like, okay, calm down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But also I got you girl. We see you, we see yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> also I made up that fact just to get the rise. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, A little fun fact about uh, Daniela, mm-hmm. um, the actor who plays her. Do you know who she is? Tell me. She is Daphne Rubin Vega who is the original Mimi uh, in Rent. So yes, the um, from the Broadway, like if you listen to the Broadway album and you hear Mimi, it's her. So I love that connection. I love that they cast this actor in this role and she's so good in both things. And I just, I love seeing her again. It's been like, 30 years or something (laughs) almost 30 years since that musical so it's just a really cool arc to see her come back in in the heights and to be in this role yeah she I so I want you to know that while I know what rent is and I've seen amateur productions of it that what the words that you said hold very little (laughs) meaning to me Hopefully it'll mean something to some listeners. It'll, yeah, it'll mean something to the to the Broadways out there. Alana will yeah. listen to this and be so excited that you mentioned yeah. that, um, which I love. This is why you're here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm here to just give these little droplets of information. Yeah, so when we do rent, I'll be able, I'll have a, more exactly. context, but she, there you go. oh my God, we have, the character development in this is so beautiful. I think there's so many plays and musicals where the characters are singly faceted or just secondary even to the music that's happening and again we have this beautiful integration of like this is a community this is a neighborhood we're all invested in each other's lives Mm -hmm. every single person that we're introduced to is just like unique has different attributes even if they're not seeing individual things they're dancing in a different way they're clothed differently they're demonstrating their individuality and we all come together as a Karen community it was a beautiful mm-hmm. beautiful and very fun song yes 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 so then I think now we have it won't be long now and you said that oh it's the one where she's in the train the train goes by yeah yes. yeah okay I love this song from the original musical like it's just holds a special place in my heart and um there's just a lot of heart in it you really understand who Vanessa is from this song and her ambitions and her passion and what she's going for so it's definitely an I want song in a musical which you know all musicals have or not all musicals have who I want songs, but a lot of them do. And this one maybe has a couple, um, which is okay, because that's, you know, the nature of the show. And this is Vanessa's I Want song. And I just, oh, the, the way it builds to the end, we were talking about elements of fantasy in this musical. And when the fabric just comes streaming down (laughs) the buildings, my breath was, I was like, my breath was taken away. I just love the little details of that to represent her dream, you know, her suento. 
I think for me, this isn't one of the stronger musical numbers, but visually it's very powerful. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of very interesting and uh, imagery and representation. And like you said, the, even the fabrics coming down, she runs through, gets, she sees like scraps of fabric being tossed in a dumpster in, in New York. And she's like, this is going to be what I, I need. And we're introduced to her, like wanting to leave the neighborhood yeah. uh, is the other thing. And what? not being able to do that. She gets rejected basically on the spot. And that it that's like a little hard to watch, even though it's such a simple scene, it's quick, it's not anything like over dramatic, but yeah. that also makes it a little tough. You're just like, man, that's how hard it is. To yeah, she can't catch a break. Move out. Yeah. yeah, she can't catch a break. And she's so frustrated. Yeah. And it's like, and again, we see we start to like really relate to her because it's again, it's not malicious. This is not like, oh, we don't like you or yeah, and one of the only white characters mm -hmm. in this musical, which is cool um, for what it is saying and where it's going, it's it's not malicious as in like pointedly malicious, yeah. but it does represent an aspect of just our American society that is malicious, is yeah. racist, is, you know, classist, is a lot of different things. Yeah, it's it's definitely institutionalized. And, and yeah. I think what, I don't know if this is still the proper term, but microaggressions, where it's not overtly like you are a person of color, get out, but it's very much like you, what you do for money is not appropriate to like right. live in our, occupy space in our space. Right. Um, and she specifically is like, I have the money. I have the cash. Like, yeah. I have first why and should last this, month. why should this be a prop? And I have deposit, like I have cashier's checks or bank statements. Like this is this should be sufficient and it's just not good enough and so yeah. she's essentially banished back yeah. to washington heights uh where she has a community and she's not leaving in the community because she disdains it she's just looking for opportunity she I think has her ambitions are just larger than what this neighborhood specifically offers her and she does see where she is located and where she lives as um, part of how to climb up the ladder of success and in the given fashion industry that she's trying to break into. And so for her, well, through this whole musical, there's the whole question of what is home and how do you define home and what does home mean to you? And this neighborhood is changing, it's gentrifying, but it's also that some of the key players in this musical don't define this neighborhood as home anymore, or they do define it as home, but it's being taken away from them, like the uh, salon women, because uh, they're being forced out, they can't afford their rent anymore. So it's just this, she, Vanessa is another piece of how this neighborhood is changing and people are defining home in a different way than they may be used to earlier in their life or that their like parents or their ancestors did who lived in the neighborhood before them. Uh, the next song is 96,000 on okay. my list. Okay. And something that I will actually say now about the Broadway to film 
adaptation, they reordered a bunch of stuff. Like it's not the same exact order. A lot of it moves in the same general direction, but mm. there are songs, they cut a bunch of songs and there are songs that are just in different places and implicate the plot differently. So if you are a listener who does know the stage version and hasn't seen the movie yet, just know that it's different. Like there are differences. Um, and there are rearrangements and there are some plot changes, but we'll talk more about that later potentially. But with this movie, what is next is 96,000. Is Which is, oh, okay. oh my God. Such a <laughs> fucking fantastic number. So absolutely, uh, the context for this is uh, Uznavi runs the corner shop and he is selling lottery tickets and everyone is just like playing the lotto. And they're on the way out. We get the timeline of like three days before blackout or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. So, and that's a lot of how this movie goes is we get that kind of timeline, like yeah. 30 days after blackout, zero days mm -hmm. till blackout. And then mm -hmm. you also get the weather report, like each new scene. Yes. Yeah. You get the rise in temperature and yeah. where it's at. And that's important because it's the height of summer. It's mm -hmm. fucking hot, dude. Mm -hmm. And it's New York where it's always hot and fucking whatever. And yeah. so they're like, okay, we're closing down the store. It's too hot to do anything. Let's go to the pool. And as they're leaving, Sonny, who is Uznavi's cousin, gets mm -hmm. a call and he's like, you won't believe it. We sold a winning ticket. It's for $96,000. <laughs> and yes. someone in the neighborhood has won $96,000. And everyone's like, it could be me. Here's what I would do. And we get yeah. fucking nuts with this musical number. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is just one of the best film musical numbers, I think, in general. It, I love pretty much everything about it in the beginning how they do those visual animations to accentuate what they're like rapping about in like the first part and what they would do with the $96,000 if they want it it's I love it and it's the only place that the animation really happens there's a lot of visual effects that are a part of the fantasy but they only like kind of happen once in it you know it's you don't get that animation throughout the movie and I didn't I don't need it throughout the movie it was a fun like aspect for that moment of the song and it worked and it added and it helped build it up and then they get to the community pool and boy is that a scene that is the place to be <laughs> I'm concerned and they do this great huge musical number that feels very like old Hollywood, like yeah. very golden age Hollywood, Busley Berkeley or Esther Williams, you know, like all that. And it's very much modeled after those, you know, old swimming choreographed moments that you would see from like the 40s or 50s or 30s you this know? is sexy as hell choreography sexy as hell and i honestly i've never like my panties dropped for benny because he gets a really good like solo in this and i was just like dear god this man but honestly like this is also every single person is involved in this every single person's like this is a we get to talk to every single person and see what $96,000 would do, how it would change the neighborhood, how it would improve the lives. Like it's a cognitive dissonance really, because this number is 
musically a joy bomb. Yes. Lyrically, wildly informational and slightly depressing. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, A, only one person can win this money. So yeah. everyone's talking about their dreams that they would do. And you know that only one person can get it. And you don't even know if it's one of the main people you hear from or the whole ensemble of people that you also hear from. Everyone's dreaming of what they would do with this money and this number. And this corresponds in the movie with when we're talking about, um, oh, I forget the word. It's like Swinita or something, but I don't yeah. want to. Um, but it's very specifically my little dream. Yes. And I think that, that it's really important to note that like we're using words like little dream. We're using values of money, $96,000. Like, yes, that's a lot of money. Um, but even in the beginning of the song, we see after the government takes it, you're going to have an empty knapsack is like a similar line because the government is entitled to a large percent of, of that if you take the cash buyout. Yeah. Um, and we, again, comparatively to like very many other lotteries, $96,000 isn't that much money. It's not like you can retire on that. No, I just, I agree. I think it's so interesting that the amount of money is set at this. It's, yeah, it could help you out absolutely and it would make a difference but it's not even a hundred grand it's almost a hundred grand but it's not even to that marker and it's not it's not like it's a million dollars or more than that which we've seen some lotteries get up yeah. to and go beyond that yeah. and but it's enough for people to see how it can change their lives and to dream on it. And, and, and that's the thing. It's not just small. It's like everyone thinks of these as small dreams, but these are significant changes. Like this yeah. comparatively small amount of money is enough to significantly, significantly impact the quality of life for so many people. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so we, again, are getting this idea of like, the rich are taking over. Gentrification is happening. Yeah. If even one person can just have a little step in the right direction. There's just no, there's no system in place for helping people and helping this community specifically. Right. You know? Right. When Vanessa comes in with her part, which is a total like mood changer in the song, everyone's kind of dreaming big. Usnavi's kind of like just keeping some reins on reality with the dreams, but it's all there. And then Vanessa comes in and she's like, yeah, if I win, you're never gonna see me again. Like I'm out of here. And I love just one of my favorite lines from the mu musical is Usnavi going like, okay, we're only joking, stay broke then, you know, like, if that's how you're gonna, yeah. if that's your dream, then, like, oh, I hope you don't win it, you know? It's hard, my, my relationship with the female characters in this, with the young female characters in this, I think with the older female characters, I identify with a lot, um, but, like, with specifically Nina and Vanessa, I think Nina is a more interesting character, honestly, I think that she embodies a lot of, like, the American dream and the pressure yeah. put on um, children of immigrants and I think mm -hmm. that like her story is much more interesting Vanessa yeah. I sympathize with a lot less and I think that that is simply coming from a place of privilege for me where mm -hmm. I don't have the necessity to forget where I'm from uh, and 
it made me not like her a little bit well like this is a movie about celebrating this neighborhood and mm-hmm. she's actively saying i want to leave this neighborhood and in a different way than usnavi is because mm-hmm. he's like i want to leave to go back to the dominican republic and like really deal with like my my father's legacy and my family's legacy in a, in a certain way and there's issues with that as well but like yeah but his wanting to leave is a little different her wanting to leave is very much like I'm over this neighborhood like she's presenting it like it, I've run out of its usefulness for yeah me. very and utilitarian wanna, very utilitarian but it's also like you know that's what if that's what she needs to do to like succeed in the you know in the way that she wants to succeed mm-hmm. again she's very much oriented as in like where I am kind mm-hmm. of says what I can or can't do and she's trying to think if I change my atmosphere then maybe I can change what my trajectory in life is and it is it's not necessarily the most likable thing but I yeah. do think it's an honest thing and I think that's how some people do view yeah. how to change their life and circumstances, definitely. Of course. Um, no. The setting itself is a character. Yeah. Um, and I think also at this point, we need to talk about Abuela because she doesn't have a song until much later. Yes. Um, but we're introduced to her pretty early on. Mm-hmm. And she's an important character. She is the catalyst. Yeah, she's the matriarch of the whole neighborhood. And she's the only mother figure that is present in this movie, which is different than the stage musical, but well, that's later. She is this super important person that really is the glue of this community that we at least see in this movie. She has a line that we hear repeated pretty often, and it's about Nina's mother's hand-embroidered napkins which is these are our small dignities it's the only way we can assert ourselves and show that we have we take up space in this world and it comes back a lot to again this um motif of pride versus shame and we see that here demonstrated in you know Usnavi has a pride factor associated with his heritage and he wants to go back to really revel in that and allow his father's dream to expand and we almost get, well, there is enjoyment. Vanessa's experience of the neighborhood almost hits us shame. It's a little bit of a guilty yeah. pleasure. And we have that as well with Nina, but in a different way. We're dealing mm-hmm. with shame in a very different way. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, we have the diverse characters creating the neighborhood, the youths that are about to take over the world, essentially, all figuring out where they fit in society. Yeah, and it's a lot of, especially for these female characters, it's about figuring out how to fit in a society that doesn't necessarily say that they want them. And that to fit in these spaces that they have ambition for, but kind of like actively reject them for both of those characters. And that's it, and how they react to that and deal with those truths or at least those the truth of the experiences that they had yeah it doesn't necessarily take them in ways that are perfect or or ways that like fit into a happy you know place we get to a happy place by the end of the musical but it didn't 
you know, they have to have that journey to figure out what is really important to them and what they should fight for and, and how it relates to home. Yeah. Yeah. The next song that I have on my list is uh, Piragua. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, so yes, yes. <laughs> um, where I think like one or two days from blackout. Yeah. And it's Lin-Manuel Miranda who is singing. He's walking his essentially shaved ice trolley mm-hmm. around the neighborhood and this movie made me I, I will tell you this now um it made me laugh and cry at several points like out loud um and like genuinely cry like Matt and I were watching and snuggling and at one point like I was silently crying and I could feel him silently crying and I was just, oh buddy but it's a really fun dynamic and it's a very explicit like at one point he takes the uh flavor juice and like throws it on some kid's ice cream cone because yeah. he has a battle with the ice cream truck yes <laughs> and i laughed out loud <laughs> like i snorted <laughs> yes 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 this movie also made me laugh out loud and cry like mm-hmm. i felt all the emotions during it and that's a great moment a little uh tidbit about mr softy who is his the the rival guy's rival he's played by chris jackson who was the original benny on broadway and also is the original george washington and hamilton so (laughs) that's a fun little tidbit i saw him pop up on stage and i was like oh that's that's chris jackson (laughs) like i love this so I love that in the original Broadway musical, you have Lin-Manuel Miranda who played Usnavi and Chris Jackson who played Benny and they were like best friends. And then for this movie, they bring them both back, <laughs> but as like rivals. And yeah. so much fun. And something else that we should talk about too is Sonny, because we haven't talked about him very explicitly yet. Yeah. Um, and Anthony Ramos, who you mentioned, was Sonny yeah. <laughs> in the original Broadway production. Oh, yeah. And there's oh, the character of Sonny um, goes on such a great journey in this movie version because there are aspects of it that weren't in the original musical, most specifically the whole dreamer aspect of it. That's actually added for the movie. Okay, that was what I was going to ask. So dreamer is specifically referring to like Barack Obama's legislation that allowed immigrant children to have physical space in the US and essentially allows them uh, people who are not documented to do things like attend attend college, like become naturalized citizens. Um, it, there's, I'm not super familiar with it because honestly, I haven't gone through it. Yeah, but- essentially, it's kind of like for kids that came over to the U.S. illegally or undocumented, mm-hmm. um, they were given this status where they are allowed to stay in the U.S. because they had no control over their circumstances coming to the U.S. in the first place. And they were kids and some of them came over when they were like babies or, you know, under five. And even the ones that were over five that came up, you know, that's the age difference is not the big deal. It's that these kids came over, they've lived in the U.S. for their lives, their home is the U.S., and basically this status says, we will not deport you because you are a dreamer and this is actually your home. The unfortunate thing is that they're kind of stuck in this weird limbo where they can like legally work and they can do some other things but they can like go to college, 
but they can't get like a driver's license or they can't apply for financial aid and they can't become naturalized citizens Mm -hmm. through just the fact of them being a dreamer yeah so much more than that to get this process done and so that's just such a such a hard place to be and many of them didn't even know that they were undocumented for a large chunk of their lives yeah so um it's just yeah that whole situation is wild I will say too we're skimming around a little bit there are little almost easter eggs in the first part of the the first act entirely where we're getting snippets here and there of what is essentially the entire second half and Mm -hmm. so while we're being introduced to the characters and developing a love for them we're just dropping like few lines here and there just being like hey, why do you think you always pay him in cash? Hey, like you bought the thing, you bought the place. And we're like, oh, he wants to go. That's cool. And we don't realize that it's going to play a bigger part. And we do a really good job of sprinkling in these details, making you take note. Like you notice that it's a weird energy around that thing. And then it it really does come back later. So Sonny is Usnavi's cousin and his dad is not the best. We're We're not on board necessarily. Um, I'm sure it's probably a product of PTSD, but he isn't a capable parent, essentially. Also, a cameo by Mark Anthony, who plays his father. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, Mark Anthony, I haven't seen you in forever. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Um, And we also see here how tight-knit everything is. Because, again, we have Abuela, who is no one's blood relative. Right. Um, Sunny is... Uznavi's cousin and he kind of offers to become his main father figure Mm -hmm. um he offers to take Uznavi to the Dominican Republic with him he mentions that Nina is like a sister we have again these really important familial connections Mm -hmm. then we get when you're home Okay, so when you're home is when it's Benny and Nina, and they're kind of singing this song where Nina, at the end of it, discovers that, yes, Washington Heights is my home, and I want to stay here. I don't want to, like, I've had these issues at Stanford in college, and it's not working out, and I think I need to return. And by the end of the song, she's like, yes, Washington Heights is my home. And she also kind of goes into a discussion about, like, you know, what if my parents never left Puerto Rico, and I grew up there with, like, my people and learning Spanish and all that stuff, and just knowing it instead of having to learn it later. Like, she felt disconnected from her heritage growing up in New York as opposed to growing up in Puerto Rico. So she's having all these sort of uh, crises of identity and who she is. And this song is discussing that while weaving through this park and this atmosphere that is, again, another like joy bomb of what this neighborhood is and really celebrating the neighborhood and celebrating it in a less flashy way compared to like 96,000 or the opening in the heights all of that this I really appreciated 
the action of this song because they're like weaving through a basketball game but the basketball game is just kind of going it's not like a big choreographed basketball number you know or they're um one of my favorite shots of many is when there's an overhead shot of the kids doing hopscotch and Benny and Nina are all in Benny's doing hopscotch through it too. It's just like this beautiful, small little moment that was just so lovely how they sort of play this ballet with their neighborhood. And then they um, meet up with just like a little dance party that's just going on outside. That's just a casual people playing music in the park, you know? And I think before the song starts, when they're in the scene, Nina says to Benny, like, shh, let me just listen to my neighborhood. I have such weird feelings around that because I feel like it's such a cheesy line, but it accomplishes the job that it's supposed to do. Yeah, I I get it. Just as like (laughs) living in Chicago where I'm at now, you can just, you know, go out on the street and just listen to your neighborhood. There's a different feeling in one neighborhood to the next. And for her to have gone all the way to Stanford, where it's very different from, you know, Washington Heights from New York, just it's not an urban area in that sense. It's just more suburban and just probably quieter in general. And you just, she's probably missing all the sounds that she's so used to and defined as home. And, and she's mm-hmm. even earlier when she says, she says explicitly, like, my community isn't there. There's nothing yeah. for me there. Do you remember if this is before or after her? Like, I know there's a big dinner, but then there's a smaller one, bef- um, yeah. I think. Is this before or after? The big dinner is when they're confronting her father about a lot of this stuff. And she's really being more honest about her feelings to him. So Uh I think it's somewhat in there as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the club is after their their big dinner. Mm -hmm. So in between these two songs, the club is the next song, we get this really important dinner. And we've had an interaction with um, Abuela who tried to get Nina's mother's hand embroidered napkin dry cleaned and it's too expensive it's over almost 180 dollars to get these napkins dry cleaned yeah. at um, the new dry cleaner at the new dry that cleaner that bought out half ha- of um nina's father's business and nina's father is paying for her to go to school i think this is also important we see really early on in her song where she's coming back what breathe. is this? breathe yeah. um that she gets like a pretty good scholarship to college so when we're talking like money and tuition for school it's not like a hundred thousand dollars or sixty thousand dollars when she's got a pretty good scholarship so it's like even a little money to like pay for whatever's left after the tuition books flights it's probably even just if this is her second year her dorms dorms are not Mm -hmm. covered in scholarships most of the time yeah and that's that's like ten thousand dollars a year um and in order to maintain that just for one year her father had to sell half of his business right Um, and she has to work you know she has to have a job while she's you know in college and we have a really important conversation that happens at this big dinner where we're seeing these beautifully pressed napkins abuela can't afford in this new dry cleaner that is in their neighborhood to get napkins pressed um she does it herself um this is this is small 
significant things that are really, I think they're taking the show, don't say, to like a very excellent place here. And we have an interaction between Nina and her father. And at this point, we've had a lot of dialogue about how she's not going back. And he's like, I called the let me pay tuition. You're going back. And it's again, an immigration story. It's something that we're seeing. And she says, I got searched, which I don't know about you, but that like in the moment gave me chills. Yeah, absolutely. And that's enough to stop the dinner table, dad. When she described that story, I was just extremely horrified because though that specifically hasn't happened to me, I could easily see that happening to me um, as, you know, just a black man coming to a new situation. I moved halfway across the country for college. I moved into a city that I had no community in um, and I had to build everything kind of from zero again. And I get that you, it's your first day, you're meeting your roommate, just in general, you assume that like, you may be like they may be your new best friend or they may be just a really cool person that you're gonna learn a lot of new things from or you're gonna give them a bunch of interesting wisdom and stuff like that like there's just this cool exchange that you're so excited for about going across the country for college to have this beautiful experience and right away you're accused of stealing from them. And not just by the roommate, but by the parents of the roommate and the RA. Like every, the whole idea of the institution that she knows her college to be so far is like against her on it. And that's horrifying to me. That is, I absolutely understand Nina and where she's coming from in terms of not finding the community that she wants in Stanford because she's had multiple racist things happen to her. And it's hard, especially when you grow up with a supportive community around you and your families around you and you didn't necessarily have to deal with like being called a thief. I'm I'm a white lady, so like take everything I say with a grain of salt. But I think it's also we while she is so comfortable in her community, we've already seen her identity crisis. We've already yeah. seen her her disconnect with who she is. And mm-hmm. I think that it's something that we experience a lot in tales of honestly, in my experience is often tales of mixed race black in black people, mm-hmm. um, where they they feel like they're not accepted by their black community and then whatever other community they're part of often it's the white community and even though she's puerto rican with her parents are puerto rican she is american um she grew up in america and it's the duality of these identities and then to immediately go somewhere and be othered while she's even though she's comfortable with where she's from she's already got these insecurities and i don't know about you but and i'm sure you had this i also went not across the country, but out of state for college mm-hmm. to a place that I had not been. Um, yeah. And I was terrified. And for the first thing, like you can't be comfortable in your own home. Yeah. And even just the simple, like this girl brought a pearl necklace to college and lost it. The thought of like even doing that, I don't think would even cross Nina's mind. Right. Just the ability to have that wealth and just lose it and then be blamed for it. Yeah. There's so many aspects to this experience that are so devastating to your psyche. 
Um, and a big part of like being able to succeed anywhere is being comfortable. And immediately she's ostracized. Yeah. There's literally no one who's impartial. It's, it's heartbreaking. And I, I, I just, because we wait until this moment to get that story, it's just devastating that, that you, you understand that she has strong feelings. She's like, and you're kind of like, oh, why can't you just like suck it up and go back? It's a great opportunity and like all of that stuff. And then you understand what happened and you're just like, oh yeah, that that's traumatizing. Yeah, I get it. And it's your first day and nothing got better. Yeah. No one came. There's no community. There's Mm. literally nothing for you. I I wouldn't stay. Yeah. I wouldn't. She is justified in wanting to come back and that chapter of her life and do something else somewhere else. Personally, I think that like, if we were looking at this in a very real lens, that wasn't a fantastical musical, like Mm -hmm. she got, she already got accepted to these other colleges. So then she would just apply for a transfer kind of thing um go to a college with just as much notoriety with a higher population of people that you feel you can identify with yeah um and i don't love that solution because we shouldn't be forcing people out of spaces Mm -hmm. that's not how that works um but it's also not up to her to create her own space and unfortunately it has to be in this case yeah yeah um yeah so This is a really important turning point. Also during this dinner, we have a conversation between Vanessa and Usnavi because they're going to go dancing afterwards. Yes. Um, They're going on their date. They're going on their date and she's wearing a green dress and looks sexy as hell. Mm -hmm. I hate his hat so much. (laughs) It is, it's carried over from the stage musical. Like it's part, an iconic like look. Yeah. Um, And obviously it was his father's hat. So whether it's kind of like, whether you like it or not, (laughs) that's why it's there. You know, there's the super big significance. Yeah. Um, And then we also have in this scene with the family dinner where there's no music, we see Benny come and interrupt and be like, yo, what the fuck? I forget Nina's dad's name. Kevin, I think. Kevin. He is like, yo, what the fuck? I saw you in a meeting. You're selling the second half of your store, which Mm -hmm. is, it means, so that's also multiple layers deep, right? Because not only does it mean for the next colleges, often four years for us, for the next two years, he has nothing else to sell. Yeah. There's nothing. This is everything. And it's mm-hmm. not It's not even enough to make it halfway through. Two, it's putting everyone who's employed there out of, out of a job. Yeah. It makes it even more attain- unattainable to be in that neighborhood. It's a big devastation to the community, to their livelihood, and to just all of it. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big deal because it affects everything, not just this one family. And then there's the question too of like, well, if Nina went to college for one year, what was the point of even going for that one year? You Mm -hmm. know, if we're not giving it all for her to have a better life, she's the first one to go to college, then what's the point of anything, you know? And if, if she didn't even do it, what was the point of even making that sacrifice in the first place? Cause he can't buy that back. His neighbor's not selling and he couldn't afford it even if he was. Yeah. And so we, we see again, this really hard hit community Sorry, I'm so gassy. It's all good. It's life. Life is gas. <laughs> <laughs> life is gas. 
I feel like they're in the living room before they sit down to dinner. They are in the living room before they sit down from dinner because that argument just kind of stops the whole event and we go to the club. Yeah, we go to the club. Um, they're in the living room and they're listening to that old song that mm-hmm. Abuela loves. Mm-hmm. And it's just so nice and lovely. And the record skip yeah. that it hits. I and she, she goes, this is my favorite part. But before yeah. she says that, Uznavi says to Vanessa, this is her favorite part. Yeah. she says it it's it's a really sweet interaction so again we have just devastation of a community right after we've displayed how close-knit these people are right exactly and that's just so symbolic of like the whole gentrification of the neighborhood and yeah. what the whole musical is getting at again what is home when your home is being disrupted and you're also either you are an immigrant or you're from a family of immigrants and it's like what what is home when there there's another idea of home another mm-hmm. like country or you know place that you came from how does that all gel together and this yeah, yeah. yeah. so we cut to the club the um club. and we have a fucking banger of a song like yeah. so great choreography benny's there because he's like well i just lost my job uznavi and is there with vanessa and they're kind of on a date but they haven't officially set it to date but they kind of set it to date and uznavi is very unsure how to act and she's done with his bullshit and also unsure of how to act yeah she's like so he's doing that like I feel like typical guy thing where you think you got to be like so cool in front of your date. So you're trying to play everything like it's not a big deal, but you're also not committing to anything. So it feels very wishy-washy. And Vanessa's like, I want to dance, let's dance. And then he's like, let's get a drink, you know, instead. And she's like, okay, that's fine. But then somebody else asks her to dance and he immediately goes, yeah, if you want to, you know, do whatever you want to do to her, like, if you want to dance with this guy, I'm not, I'm so cool, I'm not threatened by it, which is, like... He's also not- insecure, because I think he he can't so dance. He, he can't that's- dance. And that's the big thing. It's, like, she's... <sighs> men, men are such big babies. They yes. always want to be the, the one who's better yep. at something. Yep. Um, and... and he can't be vulnerable enough to let to show her that he's not good at this and so he tries to be like i'm cool he tries to maintain the upper hand and immediately he puts the emotional labor on her to do because he can't deal with communicating that he's not good at dancing even though she loves dancing yep and she's really great at it and she's she's incredible incredible and she does this huge sequence of dancing with all these different guys because he keeps just staying at the bar and drinking and not going into it and if if he's not gonna you know step in and just be like commit to her in this situation she's like what are we doing here like why are we why'd we even do this you know why do we even go on a date if you're not going to just and she gives him opportunities too she, she goes up to him, him and she's like absolutely will you please dance with me and he's like why don't we get shots will you want to get shots yeah. and then he leaves and goes to the bar and someone else asks her to dance and she's like well i might as well dance and she has this fucking phenomenal number it's so good it's incredible she i can't even i'm like almost high off of the memory of it it's yes. so so good it's like um i can't 
I'm so bad. So I want to say flamenco, but it's very saucy, mm-hmm. like bi- lots of spins. The mm-hmm. chemistry mm-hmm. between the partners is so hot. So All hot. of her dance partners, I was like, yes, please. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yes. They move their bodies so well. Yes. And then we have the blackout. And we yes. finally get to this moment that's been anticipated. And on stage, the blackout is really cool because then all the actors hold up their lit cell phones and you just see like on this dark room, you just see pops of cell phone light. And it's very like effective and it's really cool in the movie. And it was like scary at one point when they're like trying to get out of the doors of the club. And I was like, oh my gosh, the reality of like, being, being trapped a, being trapped in a crowded club when a blackout happens and you you don't know how to get out and the doors aren't opening and that's just a very intense moment also we're in america through. and this is a club full of immigrants yeah you know we've like seen what? club shootings before Ex- we right. don't know that this is a state we don't know that this is a citywide blackout this could be right. a targeted attack exactly like There's... the anxiety is so high yeah yeah and 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 everyone's separated no one's together everyone gets separated nobody can find each other vanessa and usnavi are separated and that's a point of issue uh later and um but then the fight they shoot off the fireworks and musically i love the blackout section how it's like blackout blackout and then the look at the fireworks that refrain happens and it's just it makes my heart like melt a little bit so I'm sure that I've said, like, this is my favorite part. This is my favorite part of the entire movie. And this next sequence, like the next, oh my God, it, it mm-hmm. hit me in such a place. You're nodding. You're yeah. just heartwarming. We have everyone who made it out, knows they're safe. They go to Abuela's house. We have fireworks. Mm-hmm. People being a community, making the best of, right. of the situation, seeing the stars in the city for the first time. Yeah. Like, that's, mm-hmm. <sighs> break dancing and creating their own atmosphere outside of the club and <laughs> in the in this like crazy hundred degree weather um where now they have no chance of using ac or a fan or anything they come together and make the best out of a bad situation and that happens uh, like multiple times over and over and over yeah over and over it is again. a it's a motif that yeah just gets more and more pow- powerful Um, and as many people as can so everyone kind of does find each other and they're like okay well we're all gonna go back to abuelas or we're gonna go here wherever I feel Mm -hmm. like um Benny and Nina just go and fuck (laughs) yeah so there's some differences in the stage musical (laughs) and the movie musical um that where Benny and Nina in the stage version they very explicitly like go and yeah they they fuck (laughs) but also in the stage musical they've never had a relationship before that's a change for the movie that they've had a past relationship Mm -hmm. and in the music in the stage version they hadn't so it's a very big moment in the stage one and in the movie it's a little bit more subtle it's not as big of a deal that this happened Mm -hmm. yeah and while this is happening um 
Usnavi and Vanessa have a fight because neither of them can be honest. Well, yes. really, Usnavi, he really can't. It's be really honest. Usnavi. And um, Vanessa just interprets his actions as they come at her, which is yeah. the only thing she can do. And she's which, very defensive, but like, yeah. what are you supposed to do when someone's like, where the fuck were you? Yeah. Well, That's and a- she's, she also has just felt rejected yeah. by the world she was trying to like move to and enter so she's in such like uh i've been rejected and i'm so excited to go on this date or have this moment with this guy that i've been kind of like flirty and crushing on and he's so nice and this is going to be such a nice wonderful thing for me and And then he rejects her again and she's like well i thought what was the point what was the point of bringing you i'm inviting you into my world and so they meet outside of the club, Nina and Benny go and fuck, <laughs> and Usnavi and Vanessa just separate. They go their own separate ways. And that's when we we see, you know, Usnavi goes back to Abuela's house, Daniela and Carla and everyone from the hair salon mm-hmm. comes. Oh, Benny also, no, Benny doesn't, they don't fuck. He runs to the dispatch. That's what it is. Yeah, he runs and he's like, there's I- issues going on. I need to help out. And Kevin, Nina's dad, is like just so astounded by the dedication. It's a very touching moment between these two male characters. It is. And we have a little party. We have candles happening at Abuela's. And then Abuela's like, hey, I gotta gotta lay down. It's just too hot. It's fucking 106 degrees or whatever the hell. And everyone takes care of her. They're like, here, drink some water, lay down, let us know if you need anything. And we have paciencia y fe oh my gosh this song this moment was oh so beautiful the visual the visuals of this so i think it's also important to know washington heights is a latin community but it's not one specific latin community we have usnavi who's from the dominican republic we have uh puerto ricans we have and and abuela's cuban yeah yeah and we get her entire life story in this truly one of the most vocally beautiful pieces of the show. Yeah. I have chills right now. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and it's so visually beautiful. We have, oh, classic Cuban attire. So it's uh, it's hot in Cuba all the time. So it's like the classic like linen pants, linen mm-hmm. shirts. We have- Everyone's the, in white. Everyone's in white because it's, it's, it releases the most heat. Yes. And, and she's reminded of that because she's like, she keeps saying color, color, I say color, um, which means it's hot. Mm-hmm. And and she's like, well, if I could survive the heat of Cuba, you know, and we have the essentially dance sequence of her life flashing before her eyes. She's talking to her mother and yeah. the dancers change. She's on the subway in her in her mind and the dancers change from just like New York to traditional Cuban attire. We have these beautiful like beautifully white like gorgeous choreography in a subway car while she's making the proverbial transition into the afterlife and deciding do I stay or do I go yeah um and I pretty much immediately started crying (laughs) I was was crying for so much of this because I knew it was coming and also it's just it's this is what happens this is historically when blackouts happen and there's major heat the older disadvantaged people mm-hmm. are the ones who suffer and often die. Yeah. They just can't handle it. Uh, 
yeah, the, it starts with the whole subway um, visual. It starts on a modern, regular New York subway. And then the people change to the Cuban people that from her memories. And then the subway train changes to an old subway train from when she first arrived in New York. And that subtle change and it's so beautiful. I think I read that they filmed those sequences in a museum that had actual old New York subway trains mm -hmm. still. So they like went there and did that. And the oh, there's choreography where they're in the um, suitcases and like, it's just fantastic. And she's talking about the struggles of going from Cuba to New York and why they moved to New York, why her family moved, because it was like, well, Cuba's great. It has like our family and culture that we love. But I was starving. But I was starving, exactly. Like, but like, there I was couldn't no work. survive. There yeah. was no work. There was no way to live there. So yeah, it was scary, but we had to go. There's a line where somebody's like, oh, what did you do? do to deal with I think she's talking to Nina how did you go from like living in this warm environment to like all of this and you were used to that to living in cold cold New York and all that stuff and how did you change and she was like well we, we bought, bought gloves we and a bought fur gloves coat. and a fur coat we adapted you know <laughs> like and well and it's this comes back to her small dignities as well because she says mm -hmm. specifically like she bought, my mother bought velvet gloves because even though her hands were cracked and dried from the cleaning agents, no one could tell that underneath her gloves. And we see that actually really beautifully represented in the song where she says, you know, we came to New York in mid-December and it was cold and none of the clothes that we had were able to shelter us. And there wasn't, we, it took time to get work and it took time to get money. And we worked every day and what for, for people to tell me to learn English, you know? Yeah. I thought it was a very beautiful portrayal of a very real experience that, I mean, I would say majority of the people in the U.S. are immigrants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's something that is experienced just universally. It, it, truly, I could cry right now. I was sobbing. I was sobbing mm -hmm. through this entire thing. And mm -hmm. we think we have a little bit of hope at the end where we see a very literal lit up like tunnel mm -hmm. um, where the stairs outside of the subway station are light and the tunnel into the subway station is, is backlit with red. Mm -hmm. And she says, do I stay or do I go? And yeah. then she climbs the stairs and she dies in the real world. Mm -hmm. And again, I was bawling and Usnavi comes and checks on her and he's like, Hey, Abuela, I just wanted to check on you. And she's just not reacting. Yeah. And it was a level of heartbreak that I, I have seldom experienced mm -hmm. in most media. I was like, wow, I care about these characters so much. And it, it's so sad, but it's also her family was there for her, you know? Yeah. Her entire family was there. Yeah. And so I know that mostly I take away sadness, but I think we're supposed to also take away like, what did she work for? She worked for this. She worked for this family mm -hmm. and she loved them and they took care of her and she felt comfortable enough to go. Exactly. That's, there's not a, like a real choice in reality about when she's gonna die, mm -hmm. but through the song, you get the sense that she made the choice that this is my time. And 
it's okay because I look back on my life and I look back on the community that's literally around me right now. And there's always more anybody could do at any given point in time. This moment was her moment to leave. And it's very sad. Yeah. But it's also, there's an odd, eerie sense of, mm, I don't know if comfort is the right word. Well, I think it's, it's her small dignity. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And the way that as she's climbing up those steps out of the tunnel, that the fireworks sound just fades ever so softly back in and you're just sort of lightly carried back to reality and she's gone. It's all the things. Hey, bitches. Christina and Jamal had so much to say about In the Heights, we can fit it into one episode. They pick up right where they left off here in In the Heights Part 2, live right now. Go! Listen to it now. Go! Run! You're welcome for listening to It's Broadway, Bitch. If you like what we had to say, then please like, rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you have thoughts, feelings, opinions, or stories about theater or what we talked about, you can email us at itsbroadwaybitch at gmail.com. That itsbroadwaybitch with no I in bitch at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at itsbroadwaybitch, no I in bitch. And you can follow me, Christina, at chit and chat for pictures of my cats on Instagram. And you can follow me, Alana, on Instagram and Twitter at Alana Fine Woman, like Feynman, but I'm a lady. Special thanks to Katie Braverman for designing our cover art and Jack Larkin for making our theme music. You can follow them at katie.braverman and at jacksterlark on Instagram and check out the episode's description for links. I'm Alana. I'm the Broadway. I'm Christina. I'm the bitch. And we'll see you next time. It's